WBNE. Hello, and welcome to episode 94, All About the Hobbit, chapter 8, Flies and Spiders, being the 94th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by Brooke, Christina, and Haley of the Restricted Section. Welcome, everyone. Oh, hey, what up? Um, This is a chaos episode. Buckle in, everyone. Oh, (laughs) nice. You knew what happened when you knew what was going to happen when you brought us all on together. I think it's a mischievous episode. Yeah. But it's a fun, it's always a fun time. And instead of talking about one of the most intense parts of one of the most beloved (laughs) movies of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, we are instead talking about a single chapter of The Hobbit, which is arguably less dense and man (laughs) i love this chapter so much i'm like it's just so so silly like the whole time yeah oh it's funny you say that because i was like this is getting very dark and scary and spoopy (laughs) it's like both it's like compared with the rest of the hobbit yes it's definitely a a bit scarier and spookier than than usual but also like the hobbit in general reads to me like exactly like what it is which is just like a dad desperately trying to invent new entertaining things to tell his children it's <laughs> like and then they went into the woods what happened in the woods um <clears throat> there were some spiders big, big spiders uh, yeah spiders and a magic river that doesn't do anything but make you sleep put we you don't to know. sleep oh, oh my god so okay i I wanted to reread the whole book, but I didn't. Tale as old as time. Um, but- um, Christina, you're being booted from the call. Sorry. <laughs> oh, sh- crap. Hey, you haven't read except the whole this book. Is your, Rude. Except this is your Zoom call, so I can't boot you from the call. You're going to make me reassign a new host. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I opened up to Flies and Spiders, and then I was like, let me remember like what happens at the end of the last chapter. And I flipped it back, and it was just... Gandalf saying, goodbye, goodbye then, stay on the path, you don't need me anymore, surely nothing wrong can happen. <laughs> and it's like, why? Why are you doing this? <laughs> like, he did, in fairness, give them exactly one instruction. Like, they had one job, and it was stay on the path, and what did they not do? <laughs> so I'm having difficulties over here. What is happening? Hang on. What is Hang happening? On. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Everything's okay. off camera. Mary Clay's just struggling. <laughs> it's good. Um, yeah, Bjorn. Also, how do how how do you guys pronounce that bear dude's name? Like a baby Bjorn. I always I, okay. I do Bjorn like Bjorn Ironsides. I I always said Bayorn. Bayorn. Yeah. Bayorn. I didn't see. I read Bayorn in my head, but the audiobook pronounces it Bjorn like the baby carrier mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. um and so that messes me up um c- and also it makes me think of louise in um uh bob's burgers when she is jason bjorn for halloween <laughs> yeah. oh my god so many good halloween costumes in that show um anyway but yes their one instruction like said to them multiple times was do not leave the path so as soon like as soon as that was told i was like someone's gonna leave the path or maybe just everyone yeah Yeah. or everyone yeah well at first i was the way the direction of the book so far was like 
Bilbo f- Shire up constantly. So yeah. I was like, oh, Bilbo's going to leave the path, but they all left. Spoiler alert for this chapter, they all left the path. Yeah, he kind of turns a- turns around his narrative in this one. I know, yeah. yeah. But also, I was very pleased when I texted y'all and was like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this chapter, Flies and Spiders, or Spiders and Flies. I don't know what it's called, actually. Flies and <laughs> Spiders. F- flies and Spiders. Okay, great. Um, I did read the chapter. <laughs> um, Christina had a very, yeah, very exciting exciting reaction which uh, at first I was very I was like oh no a chapter called flies and spiders it's going to be awful and terrible so I'm glad that like at least Christina so far I haven't heard from Brooke and Haley (laughs) but we will hear over the ensuing hour um, about whether or not you guys enjoyed it so I'm glad it was like an enjoyable chapter somewhat (laughs) yeah this this was a fun one there aren't many hobbit chapters that aren't fun like there are definitely lord of the rings chapters where you're like oh man i this was i read that um (laughs) and they you know double double down on that for like the silmarillion but the hobbit is pretty much like an enjoyable romp all the way through yeah and and like one thing that i had not remembered about this chapter and we'll get to this eventually but like this chapter actually covers a lot of like silmarillion stuff yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there's some Silmarillion stuff oh. that pops up in this, but, like, it's explained for babies, so it's a lot easier to understand. Me. I'm yeah. the baby. Yeah. I prefer it's it. Me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I'm supposed to do towards the start of every episode is ask my guests their, like, experience with this thing. So why don't you guys tell me, like, what your, um, like, when did you first read or experience The Hobbit? I don't know who wants to go first. (laughs) I'll go first because I know exactly. I was thinking about this in the run up to this episode because I was like, I I know. Um, And it's, I read The Hobbit because I checked it out of my school's library power to the libraries they're the best place on earth oh my god i love libraries and i constantly want to quit my day job and and become a librarian full-time like you know, i say full-time like i do it part-time now i don't <laughs> um <laughs> i'm a full-time library lover definitely Same. like a deeply casual library goer yeah. um especially you know during pandemic because you're just kind of on like a drop on drop off basis oh, it makes me sad anyway i interrupted um, you. you checked it out from the library yeah so i checked it out of my middle school library and I knew nothing. At that point, the Lord of the Rings movies hadn't come out, so I hadn't seen them. So I did not know that The Hobbit that I had read and enjoyed that had been recommended me to a librarian recommended it to me. And I was like, oh, this is fun. This is like a a cool book. This is this is a lark. And then Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. did not know it was in any way connected to Lord of the Rings until probably after I had read Two Towers. Like Bilbo's name sounded familiar and I was like, that seems odd but i had already seen the movies so Mm -hmm. i was like i don't know i mean clearly i'm just having like a misplaced memory here but yeah i'd read the hobbit back in maybe like fourth grade and then did not know that it was part of the wider lord of the rings universe until probably like eighth grade or ninth grade Mm -hmm. and then i thought it was a you just thought it was a coincidence that there was a guy named J.R.R. Tolkien? I didn't think about authors at that point. I was no. simply too young to understand that people wrote books. <laughs> <laughs> they just appeared. You know, Ooh, like, you don't side think note, about for, it. This is, for, this is for Mary Clay editing. 
Uh, that sounds like a good book concept. Books that just miraculously appear in a lot in some kind of like magical library, and then the kids have to go on an adventure to discover who the author is. That's probably already been written or made into a TV show. Anyway, okay. I mean, I feel like it's the kind of concept that you could play around with. Um, I don't remember the first time I read The Hobbit. I remember reading it when I was 12. I don't know if that was like the first time I'd read it. I got into Lord of the Rings lore very slowly and like piecemeal over several years. So like I'd seen the movies and I think I read The Hobbit. Like I think I tried reading Fellowship, got three pages in and was like, this is like reading the Bible. I can't do it because um, uh-huh. it was just too much at the time. Yeah. Uh, and I think we just already owned The Hobbit for some reason. And I just ended up reading it one day and being like, oh, this is much easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I too don't remember. I've mentioned before that I read the Lord of the Rings trilogy for the first time when I was in college. And I had definitely read The Hobbit before then. Um, I think what we're seeing here is that, like, for me, The Hobbit, when I was younger, just really blended in with a lot of the other fantasy that I was reading. Um, Because I, I too, like, didn't really connect it to Lord of the Rings because I I probably didn't even really know what that was. So um, I have no idea. I probably read it for the first time around, yeah, like 12, 13, 14. Um, and the only picture I have drawn with my own hands in the past five years is a um, an exact copy of the cover of the um, the Del Rey mass market paperback with Gandalf walking into Bag End. <laughs> oh, also just real quick, because I just said Bag End, I've been meaning to tell you, Mary Clay, that I named my farm in Stardew Valley Bag End. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, that's, I'm so glad that you're playing Stardew Valley. Me too. Got you into that. Big Hobbit vibes. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, so isn't it funny that, like, Haley and I both, like, don't remember? Yeah. <laughs> it just it just happened. It just yeah. kind of happened. Came, came to you one day. But, I like, but I honestly like The Hobbit more than the trilogy. I love the trilogy oh, so much, absolutely. but I like reading I, The Hobbit more. I was going to say, just from a perspective of, like, experiencing, like, the, the actual experience of reading a book, reading Lord of the Rings is crazy people nonsense yeah mm-hmm. i've read lord of the rings like, once all the way through probably like a lot of it like oh God, upon, the, upon the revisit and but i've read the hobbit probably closer to like 10 times like i've read it a lot yeah i'm not much of i'm trying to think of of the lot i'm not really much of a book rereader except for harry potter i think harry potter is the only one i've ever reread and maybe this is going to be embarrassing and maybe uh, a sarah dessen book that (laughs) that's not nearly as embarrassing as my on the record on our other podcast only reread book ever which is twilight eclipse which i've i literally do not reread books but i have reread twilight eclipse a lot amazing oh that reminds me on um this will come out several weeks after the fact but on april fool's day i i did a great prank that I thought was a great prank where um, I announced that I would be covering Twilight when I was done with Tolkien content and it was going to be called Twilight and Up, which I think is, <laughs> for the record, I think is a terrible name for a, a podcast. <laughs> but I was like, I got to come up with a pun name to really sell mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. this joke. Um, and a lot of people, I had a lot of people believe it. I had a lot of people 
message me on Instagram and be like, I'm so glad this was an April Fool's joke because I was about to unfollow you. And I'm like, <laughs> I thought you were going to say you had a bunch okay. of people being like, hey, I would love to be a guest because that series is beloved to me. <laughs> I did get that a lot. That was my yeah. first thought. I saw it and I was like, I know this is an April Fool's prank because that's all that's getting posted today. But like, I would host well, on that so hard. <laughs> see, that's what was funny is that I had a lot. I was frankly really surprised that so many people fell for it because i was like guys come on you can't believe anything today i have literally said i will never cover twilight (laughs) i will never cover twilight specifically flash flash forward three years when i'm using this clip to introduce the first episode of twilight Uh, okay, but we are not talking about Twilight today. We are talking about not chapter... today. Tune back in in three years. <laughs> three years from now. Because <laughs> naturally, I mean, you think Lord of the Rings, you think J.R.R. Tolkien, and naturally, the next thing you think about is Twilight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. One you know. just leads into the next. <laughs> exactly. So, so very natural connections. Anyway, this is chapter eight, Flies and Spiders. And they are entering what I can only assume is like the forbidden forest. I was gonna I was gonna I was just about to say Mary Claire I would like to stop and ask you how you think this compares and contrasts to them pursuing like the spiders in the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, yeah, the part where um they are just like being surrounded by like all these spiders. I was like this just sounds like the the like I'm I was imagining the part in the Chamber of Secrets movie where Harry and Ron are running from all of Aragog's children. And I'm like, J.K. Rowling, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. It took me, it took me, you know, 15 years after the fact to, to notice, but I see what you did there now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very, I, it was, this forest is a, was a very different vibe than what I was expecting. Because when they first mentioned Mirkwood in the previous chapter, I was like, oh, that's where Legolas lives. Yeah, cute. And of course, I'm also picturing, you know, Orlando Bloom, the like dumbed down version of Legolas that they made in the movies. And so I'm like, oh, Mirkwood, it can't be that bad. Um, And then they describe it as like being like darkness and evil and chaos. And I'm like, what the hell goes on in that forest? Ah, A lot. Um, Yeah. The language is so vivid. And I I really do appreciate Tolkien's writing for selections like this. Um, the, the way he describes the darkness that falls around them, the way he describes how even Bilbo, who lives in a hole, is feeling suffocated. Well, and the dwarves who live underground mm. all the yeah. time are literally like, this is a lot of underground, This guys. is too much this for me. This is a me. lot yeah. of dark. Like, it, this is, this, we're above ground, but it is, like, worse than a cave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, it's one of those things where, uh, like, having more context of, like, the unfinished tales and stuff kind of helps with understanding like what's going on in Mirkwood because like there's cursed parts and there's not cursed parts so like when they find the elves and like oh the lights there's actually light here it's kind of green and creepy but like in in a different way as opposed to where we were with all the darkness and spiders and the black squirrels and everything was weird and gross like that part of the forest is like currently under a literal curse which Gandalf is riding off to deal with, but, like, that doesn't really help them right now. 
Yeah, Gandalf. the way that they enter this forest, actually, I was sitting here trying to remember what it reminds me of, but um, sorry that everything reminds me of Harry Potter for obvious reasons. Um, check out my podcast restriction section. Um, what? But it reminds me of when Harry walks into the maze, the hedge maze, and like everything Ooh. falls mm-hmm. silent around him. And it's like, I thought it was daytime, but like it's dark now. You know what I mean? And it's just like, you're, you, it's almost like walking through a portal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great description. Honestly, and like the creepiest thing about this entire description is just that no matter where they go, no matter what they do, there are just eyes everywhere. Yes. So yeah, so the first like couple paragraphs of this chapter, again, that like great that like normally I make fun of Tolkien for doing this when he goes into like detailed like landscape description or whatever. But like in this case, it's very necessary for like creating this atmosphere and setting up this um, like setting that they are go- going to be in for, you know, this chapter and maybe the following couple chapters after this. Um, and then so I was just like reading like, okay, all right, I get it. Mm-hmm. It's dark and terrible and there's no sunlight. All right, I get it. And then this was the part that I was like, oh, oh, oh I'm out. Bye. <laughs> I'm done. I'm going back to the Shire. It says, well, perhaps it is not true to say that they could see nothing colon they could see eyes yeah my husband terrifying my husband has like described to me it's like a story that he tells every like couple of years you know as like married couples are wont to do but he like he has this story about one time that he got like i don't know if he was lost in a corn cornfield or just like wandering in a cornfield and he like realized he could see spider eyes like twinkling in this way it must have been like twilight and I, every time he tells it, I'm like, that sounds like really fake to me. Like, I don't believe that you just realized there were eyes all around you. But reading this, I'm like, maybe it's true. I don't know. I've never been surrounded by spiders in this well, manner. I think there's a big difference between um, hobbits and dwarves um, being trapped in this magical ancient forest and um, your husband being trapped in a cornfield. <laughs> okay, wow. Cornfields are intensely scary to me, okay? I can't stand oh, on the man. edge of a cornfield. One of my ex-boyfriends, his mom got married uh, in like in kind of next to a lake next to a giant cornfield. And I literally had to keep my back to it the whole evening because you can't no, look that, into a cornfield. Yeah. It no, see, stares that, back at you. I think you. that would give me more stress because I'm just thinking of like signs, mm. the, begin- mm-hmm. the f- like beginning scene or whatever of signs. I would need to be looking at it to make sure that I know like what's what's up in there i don't want that madness to my back Mm -hmm. i don't do horror movies at all so i didn't even have like a context for it i'm not like oh it's just like that movie or that thing it's just like cornfields and cornfields are just inherently creepy incredibly dark forest full of eyes are just like creepy in a way that like unsettles you to your soul for what it's worth children of the corn is a hilarious deeply unscary movie (laughs) but there are many other horror films that (laughs) There are many other cornfields. Corn is just yeah, cornfields like they're just too big. They're too big. They're too wide. They're too tall. And like, I mean, there's also the concept too of like crop circles. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and like this brings that in. Yeah, and this forest really does have like a very similar vibe. And like, just again with the curse, like there's just no. It never gets better. Like, okay, it's nighttime now. We've lit a fire, and now the fire attracts moths the size of your hand. Yeah, yeah, that's another terrifying thing. They try to whenever they stop for night, they're like, oh well, let's light a fire at least, and it just attracts a bunch of bugs and bats, and they're like, this is worse. It's this like, is worse. It's like so visceral. You can like feel 
the, the you know, like you you feel like you're there in the moment. I think another interesting connection between the cornfield situation we were talking about and the um the forest is just like the sameness. You know, it's like almost like um you ever be like driving through a tunnel with no other cars in it and you like kind of lose all concept of like depth perception because you're just like going into like another dimension. I feel like <laughs> yeah. that's how it is. It's like I like you lose the ability to like gauge space and like therefore time because everything is just so exactly the same forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Um. So they are walking for several days. Their food supply and their water supply is getting low. Um, there are a couple critters that they try to shoot, um, but it says they wasted so many arrows before they managed to bring one down on the path, and then it also tasted terrible. So they're just like, this is not good either way. Um, I guess we'll just starve to death as we slowly eat our um, uh, uh, rations. Is that the word? Yep. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they eventually come to a river of some kind. And Bjorn had told them that the water, like not to drink the water in this forest. So they also assume that they shouldn't go, that they shouldn't touch the water or, or go swimming in it. And they are trying to figure out how to cross this place. There's a bridge, but the bridge is kind of rotted. And then for whatever reason, Bilbo develops elf eyes. <laughs> Bilbo? <laughs> like, what do your elf eyes see? He becomes the 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 yeah exactly exactly he becomes the elf eyes in this situation because the situation calls for it yeah, i guess i'm thinking of in the trilogy like every time they call on legolas for his keen eyes and freaking mary and pepper are like i can't see anything i don't know what you want from me <laughs> <laughs> um and so he apparently has good enough eyes that he can see there's a little boat on the other side of the bank and they throw this like grappling hook across a couple times and they eventually hook onto the boat and they pull it across. And then um, I just want to point out how mean uh, Thorin is to Bomber um, and how mean everyone is to him. Um, fat shaming <laughs> is apparently one more thing that Rolling stole from Tolkien. Mm. Yeah, There are really. just like a lot of, they're not even like fat jokes. It's literally just like, well, I guess we could go somewhere if you weren't so fat. fat. Yeah, it's just like open hate towards someone being fat. I, I obviously think that they're being really rude, especially when they're like, you take the last boat because you're the fattest, like screw you. But later in this chapter... His weight does become quite a burden. <laughs> yes, I, I understand that, but but even when we'll we'll, we'll get there, mm-hmm, we'll mm-hmm. get there. Yeah, but they're just so. And, and Bomber is like, I'm tired of being last, and Thorin's like, Well, then don't be fat. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's so mean. Thorin also has like a dig here, though, where it's like, Hey, like who is best suited to like shoot? You know, basically like a grappling hook to try to get this boat across the river. And Thorin's literally like, oh, Dory's the strongest, but like, Feely's the youngest and still has the best sight. And it's like, hey, you didn't have to like bring Dory into this. It's you like, didn't have to work through it out loud. You're strong, but you're also like old and like, you <laughs> can't see good. so good. So I'm going to just go with anyone else. Thanks for playing. Well, and the thing about Bomber's weight is that, like, 
these dwarves all live the exact same lifestyle, so obviously yeah. it's like a genetic issue that he like yeah. can't really control. Honestly, I'm not even imagining like if he's been going on this adventure for you know however many months now they've been mm-hmm. adventuring. It's not that like oh he's fat and out of shape. I'm just imagining that he he just must be like super muscular and beefy is what I'm picturing, <laughs> like a tiny Hagrid. Pollen, it's happening. Bless your dear Right heart. now, outside your door. The pollen is coming. It's coming. <laughs> the pollen is coming. <laughs> the pollening. Mary Clay always making um, Game of Thrones references and not even knowing it. Oh, I was thinking more of in the uh, in Deathly Hallows when okay, Kingsley sends his. He's like, they are coming. I got you. I was playing on Winter is Coming. Yeah, that too. I get that. Lots of things are coming. Just watch so- out. <laughs> This chapter uh, with the whole eyesight thing uh, did remind me that there is, in fact, a fan theory that dwarves are prone to myopia. What is that? Nearsightedness. Uh, like, yeah, uh, yeah, I just, gestur- I just gestured to my glasses for those of you who can't see me. <laughs> yeah. as everyone except for these three. Most people who wear glasses are, like, to some extent, myopic. Mm-hmm. Okay, and also, yeah. that's like a figurative word in the English language where people are being like, um, short-sighted. like narr- short-sighted. Yeah. yeah. Why are you being so myopic? But like, you know, it makes sense because like if you mostly live underground and like you're, you know, two inches away from what you're working on yeah. most of the time, like it makes sense that like maybe your eyes wouldn't be that great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I believe that. What I don't believe is suddenly that 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 Bilbo has keen elf eyes. <laughs> I don't think they're keen elf eyes. I think they're just better than every like I think all of just the normal dwarves. eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Literally, they're like, "This forest is super dark," and Bilbo's like, "Hey, there's a squirrel over there," and they're like, "You've got great eyesight." <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Well, actually, the reason the reason they establish this is because in the previous chapter, after they leave Bjorn's house and they're traveling, Bilbo asks Gant. He like notices that there is this like dark shape like running past them or like prowling around them. Mm-hmm. Um. And he's like, hey, Gandalf, is that a bear or is that Bjorn? Like, should we be concerned? And Gandalf is like, oh, you worry too much. Go to bed. Um, (laughs) And then, like, at the end of the chapter, Gandalf tells the dwarves, he's like, Bilbo's way more observant than any of you because he noticed that Bjorn's been following us the whole time and not one of you noticed this giant bear man (laughs) hiding around the trees. I just thought it was Sasquatch. (laughs) Uh, Like, honestly. Um... So they get the boat and they pull it over and they take turns going back. And then right as they're pulling the boat back with Bomber, the last person, this this is the part that I was kind of confused about, like, what was going on. Suddenly yeah. a deer comes running towards them. And I would take the, I like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, a deer or a buck or whatever. That's like a very natural, like, creature to be living in the woods. I would just, like, sit there and be quiet and let them do their thing. But for some reason, they're like, it's going to kill us and attack us. Well, and also you can eat deer. Well, that too, I, I think but... the primary motivating factor, they were like, okay, option one, this is a river guardian, and we are about to have our lives ended. Oh my god, or, Princess Mononoke vibes. Option two, this gonna be tasty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe both. And so as they like attack or shoot, this is the part that makes me laugh, is that like they all try shooting it, <laughs> but they 
lose all of their and like even Th- when eventually Thorne is like stop stop this is useless they've already all shot their arrows and so that now they have no bows and arrows and I'm like you guys are useless well the most messed up part is that I think they I think it's implied that they do hit it but it's already jumped the creek so yeah. it's on the other side and they can't get back yeah I think Thorin gets like one shot in and it lands on the other side and they hear it like stumble and fall but they can't go back and get it yeah meanwhile Bomber has fallen in. Oh, actually, yeah. So this also it also mentions this is where also in this chapter we get a lot more of the narrator being okay. I always struggle to say this like word. the first person narrator. Um, omnish, um, 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 omnip- it's not omnipotent. It's omniscient. You know omniscient. <laughs> omniscient. Yes. Um, and he's being a lot. The narrator is being a lot more playful of like. I know this, but they don't know it yet, but I'm going to tell you, the reader, this. Um, And he says, yet if they had known more about it and considered the meaning of the hunt and the... Oh, yeah, because then a white deer comes (laughs) as well. Um, If they considered the meaning of the hunt and the white deer that had appeared upon their path, they would have known that they were at last drawing towards the Easter edge and and soon would have come if they could have kept up their courage and their hope to thinner trees and places where the sunlight came again. But they don't know that, so... So there. Yep. Anyway. Um, and so Bomber has fallen into the river and Bilbo's just like, hey, Bomber's drowning over here. <laughs> like, I know that deer's cool and everything, but man down. Bomber's drowning. And they're all like, oh, it had to be the fat one. <laughs> and so Literally. they pull him up. And the, yeah, the river, we don't know what it's done exactly, but it's put him into some kind of very pleasant sleep. Yeah, a smile on his fat face as if he no longer cared for all the troubles that vexed him. Like, lucky him, you know? Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they become, quote, burdened with the heavy body of Bomber, which they had to carry along with them as best they could. (laughs) Yeah. They all have to, yeah, they all have to take turns carrying Bomber, and then the people who aren't carrying Bomber have to carry the packs of the people who are carrying him. So they all just hate Bomber right now. I mean, I get it. I would too. I, no matter how fat, if it was like a child that I had to carry, I would still be like, dude, <gasps> a child. Honestly, stop this. Like, wake up. But it sucks <laughs> that they don't have more tools because being able to build some kind of like a um, I'm not really sure the word I'm looking for, but Stretcher. like a like a yeah, like something that like a a plant. Yeah, whatever. You guys know what I'm saying. Something to carry him on would be so much easier than carrying like a limp, heavy body that is mostly apparently like fat rolls, you know? Yeah, yeah. But they got Um, nothing. Yeah, they got nothing. And then eventually as they're walking, they hear... This is when it starts... It gets creepy because I start hearing the distant sound of laughter. Oh my God. I was just nightmare. "Mm, I don't know how I feel. Mm." I was like, I'm pretty sure I know that like that is that belongs to elves and like i know that elves aren't you know as terrifying although i learn later i don't know we'll see because apparently the wood elves are of a different kind yeah but... wood elves are very like leave me alone um they don't oh yeah which yeah, i can tell yeah they're very get off my lawn and like the whole forest is yeah the whole forest is their lawn i was gonna say get out of my swamp <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yep 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 um and it says the the laughter was the laughter of fair voices, not of goblins. And the singing was beautiful, but it sounded eerie and strange. And they were not comforted. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't be comforted either. <laughs> I love the language choice. Like, you yeah. know, this may sound 
comforting, but no, actually, it, it the was, opposite. It, yeah. it was very creepy. It was very terrifying. <laughs> Um, and so they're walking along and no matter how many times the narrator has told us at this point that like if they had just stayed on the path, they would have soon discovered that they reached the edge of the forest and they were in light and they were in sunlight again. But obviously they don't know that. And so I love this. They decide that someone's going to climb a tree and go to the top and look around and see if there's any end to the forest. And then it says, of course, somebody meant Bilbo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a fun thing about the narrator, I don't know if anyone's discussed this uh, so far, like as you've been reading this, Mary Clay, but like the framing of The Hobbit after J.R.R. Tolkien decided that this was actually going to be part of like the whole like his whole boring history thing that turned into Lord of the Rings. Um, Like initially this was just for his kids. And then he was like, all right, well, I'm going to connect this to the rest of the story. So when he decided to do that, the framing device of The Hobbit, which had initially just been Tolkien is the narrator telling the story, it became this is Bilbo's... Bilbo. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. Bilbo is the narrator at this point. So, like, Bilbo is the one saying, like, of course, of course somebody means Bilbo. Of course, like, we're close to the edge of the woods, but, like, we don't know that yet. So, like, I I just, I always love remembering that because the narrator is so saucy in The Hobbit. And it just so makes me good. love Bilbo so mm-hmm. much. Yeah, Same, yeah. Absolutely. Well, and Bilbo's really, like, finding a lot of value in himself in this book, especially in this chapter. He's like, I guess they do really need me because this is a mess. But he's still so <laughs> self-deprecating. Like, he knows that he's been useless up to this <laughs> point. Oh, it feels very Bilbo. British, you know? Yes, it does. It's like, well, needs must. I guess I'm the best <laughs> we've got. <laughs> So Bilbo climbs up and he um, gets to the top of the trees and he looks around and at first he's like blinded by the sunlight but then he eventually gets used to it and he looks around and there are like tons of butterflies and there's a breeze and there's sunlight. So that all sounds amazing and beautiful. For some reason I'm imagining, I don't know, maybe it's in Tarzan or something. I was going to say, I I think it's Avatar. Uh, Yes. Well, I've never seen Avatar though, so I don't know what I'm picturing. But I know that there there's something from a movie that I'm imagining where someone climbs up in a forest and they like look out over the top and they see like all the beauty of, of like what's before yeah, them. That does sound Tarzani. It might be honestly. I now I'm like I feel like I've seen it a couple times before. It's probably yeah. It's definitely. Oh my god! It's like, like totally in Pocahontas too. I don't know if they climb a tree, but they definitely go somewhere where John Smith is like, maybe I shouldn't colonize this country, and then he's like, nah, forget it. I'm just gonna do it anyway. Well, and also, and this will be important to note for your upcoming ventures, is that it occurs in Twilight when Edward drops <laughs> Bella to his back. <laughs> Hold on, a little spider monkey. Hold on, spider monkey. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, oh, I can't not think that in a Steve Buscemi oh. voice at this point. <laughs> wow, I'm so sorry if everyone's confused right now. <laughs> God, what terrible movies. Just if you're ever. Maybe I will cover them someday. If you're ever watching a movie and you're like, is this guy being creepy right now? Just imagine it's Steve Buscemi instead of like Chris Evans or whatever. And if it becomes creepy, then it's also creepy that Chris Evans is doing it. That's um, a Steve Buscemi it, test. It is worth <laughs> noting that while he's in this like beautiful moment of like, wow, it's really nice up here, he's like, also, there are like a lot of spiders. These are small spiders, but we do see additional spiders at the top of the tree as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then. I, I really disliked the 
way that because and maybe it's just because I can't visualize it the way that they justify the way that the narrator justifies here the fact that Bilbo thinks that they aren't close to the end because apparently they're in a bowl so so the way yeah so Bilbo he looks around and he's like oh my god there's just endless forest all around me there's no way out but the way he says something like they they were in a valley or this one this tree was like at the edge of a valley and so he from the top he only saw like what was before him but like if they had been on the ground like in the valley or something it would have come out because the top of the tree like went over the valley so- something like that but like you still would see the edge of the forest like no matter how it's sloped you would still see hey there are trees here and yet not there okay well but i'm imagining like imagine you're looking at a ridge line and it's like are there trees on the other side of that ridge line you don't know because you can't mm. see past it. That's what I'm envisioning. Yeah, it's like um, they're at the bottom of this valley. So he's yeah. just like he's just got trees rising up on all sides of him. So the the scholarly thing to do would be like at the absolute minimum, the end of the forest is right there where I can't see trees anymore. And right. I think that the narrator even says that like if he had thought about it a little harder, but he was so full of despair. Have you guys ever read Haley, I know you have um The House of Leaves? Yep. This kind of reminds me of that, the way that it just feels like time and space are, like, stretching in such weird ways, like, for the sole purpose of screwing with our characters, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, the dwarves, I hate this. The dwarves are, like, really grinding my gears. Oh, they're just, like, <laughs> complaining so much, and they're just, they're like... little... And I'm like, why don't you do something for a change? And they're just like crying and like, I'm thinking about when when Bomber wakes back up, spoiler alert, um, it's just like crying. They're down at the bottom and it says that like their impatience is stamping with impatience mm-hmm. is what they said. And I'm like, why don't you go f- climb the tree? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you currently are doing nothing except like, like Bilbo could probably go at this point, like the only reason... Bilbo needs the dwarves is because like he otherwise wouldn't have continued on that like the like the dwarves only exist at this point to like continue dragging Bilbo on this journey yeah um, and and so go ahead but and they they don't like I mean the the narration this whole thing of him climbing and coming back down takes about two pages because it's quite challenging for him this isn't his forte he's not a tree hobbit and so like he's just done this like great feat of like excellent physical strength when everyone is like super dehydrated and exhausted and they're just like dude you did not bring us the information we wanted and now we're mad and i'm not even gonna say thank you he he comes down and he reports but but like also bilbo i i can get why the dwarves are mad at him for this because bilbo's like oh my god i saw the sun and i saw butterflies he should have said that there was like a beautiful breeze it was amazing and they're all like well Good for you. <laughs> um, dwarves, maybe. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me go back to what Thorin said um, a couple pages ago. You should not be so fat. <laughs> and then maybe you could climb some trees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, this really uncalled for comment about, like, what what, what is the use of sending a hobbit? Like, yes. you all you all you decided, decided that he's you the only that. one who can climb, who can, like, fit in the upper branches. So, like, what do you want, man? <laughs> Whose fault is that? You True. know, exactly. Exactly. Let's uh, let's go back and blame Gandalf yet again. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? No, I'm not going to. I think 
I, I, I think Gandalf made the right decision piecing out just before the forest and was in just being like, I'm going to go do my own secret mission. And they're all like, what's that? And he's like, <laughs> don't ask questions. Stay off the path. His secret <laughs> mission when you event, like when you learn about it, if you get more into Tolkien lore sucked uh, in all fairness. But like also this is like his secret mission involved like a fight. Uh, yeah, this is this- just a slog. Well, and the dwarf thing is like a side quest for him. He yeah. does. This, yeah. this is like not a, th- a quest so for funny. the greater good, you know. Like this is like a personal quest. Well, and that's what just makes me laugh so much about Gandalf's character in The Hobbit is that like everything that like we see him do is just an amusing side quest mm-hmm. for him, mm-hmm. you know. Just trying to rack up XP so he can go fight the big bads. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Actually, you know what? Thinking about, I'm like so glad you you like use that phrase that like this is a side quest for him because now I'm thinking about the Hobbit from this like unique perspective of like what if instead of fall like I'm just thinking of in Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. um, which has lots of ma- uh, side quests as well as like main quests, you know, and stuff. But like, what if instead of following Link throughout that story, you just followed a random villager, you know? <laughs> yeah. And like, that's essentially like what The Hobbit is, is instead of following, you know, a character, uh, a like more powerful character doing the main quest, yeah. you are following a side character doing a side <laughs> quest. Following the mailman from Legend of Zelda. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so they spend that night eating the last of their rations and and food and drink. And then Bomber wakes up. Which, like, frankly, don't even bother, dude. (laughs) Well, and that's what, yeah. Oh, my God. So he wakes up and he's starving because he hasn't eaten probably in, you know, at least the dwarves and Bilba have been eating the last couple days, even if it was like small portions. He hasn't eaten since he fell asleep. Um, And then he's like, oh my god, I was having a beautiful dream, and there was and again, Thorne's like, shut up, we don't want to hear about it. Mm -hmm. Like, that does sound like a great dream, but what use is it for us? Well, because his dream was a feast. I was just about to say, I would like to mark it this time that the dream was of dinner. (laughs) And he also it also mentions a woodland king. Mm-hmm. Hmm, yeah, interesting. definitely like uh, enchanted. Wonder if that dreams. will come into play. Yeah, hmm, probably never. And then and then Thorin is mean for no so mean for no reason. He says because um, uh, Bomber's like, oh, I wish I could try and describe this dream to you. And he said, you he says you need not try. In fact, if you can't talk about something else, you had better be silent. We are quite annoyed enough with you as it is. If you hadn't waked up, we should have left you to your own idiotic dreams in the forest. You are no joke to carry, even after weeks of short commons. Okay, wait, what does short commons mean? What is that? It's just like le- little food. Yeah. Oh, just okay. limited rations. Um, He's like, we're basically fasting and you're still this fat. Still fat. <laughs> yeah. Like the okay, worst I part gotcha. of this, the worst part of this whole thing for Bomber is I... Uh, Like, he had forgotten everything that had happened since they started their journey that May morning long ago. So, like, his last memory Yeah, the last thing he remembers is the party. Yeah, like, like dinner in a hobbit hall, and now he's starving in a dark forest. Could you imagine? Like, what the f***? Where the f***? Literally, so his, his dream was probably, like, him remembering the feast that was his last memory, and then, like, also, like, woodland vibes get in there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I fully support Thorin's attitude in this moment. I'd be really mad too. Um, I don't. <laughs> he didn't need to go in that. No, I never support like the fat jabs. Um, but like, I mean, okay. Well, here's a question: Do we think Thorin was pulling equal equal weight, so to speak, in the carrying of Bomber? I feel like no. It's been generally implied that, like, Thorin is too important for a lot of things. Yeah, so that's, like, maybe if, like, one of the lesser dwarves... Well, that's not... One of the... What's the word there? One of the others. Side dwarves? Yeah, one of the commoner dwarves... Had had this outburst, I would have been like, "Yeah, Feely, speak up for yourself. You threw the heck out of that rope." <laughs> but um, but it's like Thorin, so it's like I just—he's just like cracking under the pressure of his leadership role. I will say it's a spe- I think it's especially mean considering, yeah, he like forgot everything. I can't believe he's as calm as he is. If you woke up in a dark wood, famished, and you're like, "Hey, last time I was uh, conscious, we were somewhere very different." And throwing a party, what happened? Like you are, you're all grumpy with me. I'm hungry. I don't like this. Like I think that's a fair response. Yeah, to I waking up fair, and having no memories. A fair reaction. I guess yeah. what we're getting to here is that no wonder everyone is just like really falling apart because it's simply dire straits. Like it's like everyone. Mm-hmm. It's like I get it. Like I would also, I would be behaving worse. Certainly. Yeah. Um, I already decided that, um, like, technically, I don't think I ever would have left the Hobbit hole. I, d- I just, like, I would still have been there. <laughs> I like, think if so Gan- too. like, if Gandalf had showed up and been like, you're going to be late, I would have been like, oh, darn. I guess I'm late. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just never, I just don't leave. But um, in the chapter where, um, Oh, it was Riddles in the Dark, where where Bilbo wakes up and he's alone in the Goblin Tunnel. My guest and I decided that, like, us in that situation, we would have just, like, laid down and been like, well, I guess this is where I die. Yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to wait for the sweet embrace of death. It's not worth it anymore. Yeah. We have, I think, on some other podcast. I, I don't know. We've, no, we've it's ta- definitely been the last it's time you guys really were on. Team we try or team, team die. Team try versus team die. <laughs> yeah. Because it was about um, Theoden at the, towards the end of Helm's Deep. Oh my God. <laughs> that was it exactly. I can't believe we've come like full circle from, from that conversation like five months ago. Theoden is, is team die, but lie and pretend to try. You know what I mean? No, that's, that's no, like every king. Pretend to try. That's every king in Middle Earth except for Aragorn. Like they're all just like, oh, I don't want to be in charge of this. This sucks. <laughs> like, mm. This seems like a lot of work. I think I'm just gonna go set myself on fire. No, seriously. Like Theoden, I uh, got put under a spell and his country was almost overrun. I. Uh, Thorin has to go fight a dragon. Like, it just sucks being a king in Middle-earth. You can pay me enough to be a king in Middle-earth. It's, like, literally the opposite of the world of Game of Thrones, where everyone and their mom is just desperate to be king. And I I mean, that's super literally. (laughs) Oh, I get it. Incest. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, um, they start walking down the path again, um and uh bomb this is where i will give them the that like they are like correct to yell at bomber in this yeah. moment where he like sits down like a toddler and starts crying and is like i'm not going carry me and they're like we just spent the last like four f- days carrying you stand up 
and walk or else we're just going to leave you here to die. Which honestly, I kind of thought it was going to go in that direction, but it didn't. I'm surprised Eventually, he does stand up. brought him along to begin with. Like if he's that heavy and he's like that asleep and you don't know that he's going to recover from that. Like, I don't know, pour one out for the homie. Keep on trucking. Yeah, I so I know it's a, you know, quote unquote children's book, but I keep waiting There's so many of these dwarves. I keep waiting for, like, one of them to die or for, like, them to... Because, like, we're getting far enough now into this adventure. Things are getting more perilous where I'm expecting for, like, a couple of them to maybe drop off at some point. You really? So when Bomber Bomber dropped into the river, I was like, oh, okay, that's it. He's going to drown, and that's how he dies. If you had to sacrifice two dwarves for the sake of the quest, who are you picking off at this juncture? Okay, well, I just really feel that you could lose almost up to, like, ten dwarves before it becomes (laughs) an issue. You know what I mean? Like, there's just, like, certainly too many, which is, like, part, part of the silliness of this book. Like, their names all sound the same too it's really like, complicated yeah. i think i'll keep i'll keep gloin i'll keep um because we need we need gloin so we can have gimli um although i think gimli is already born at this point so technically gloin gloin could go and it would be fine you need philly um, because he's young and hot and he's strong. young his yeah. eyes still work <laughs> his eyes still um work. i was gonna say maybe keep one of the younger ones just because they they sound fun um yeah um, I would keep Balin. and Balin. yeah yeah, yeah late, later on he kind of has a moment where he's better than the rest of the dwarves for, for just one split second <laughs> And then maybe Dory, because he is the strongest or something. And he's had a couple. He's given he's given um, Bilbo a couple quips that I'm like, that's that's yeah. that's cold, but also true. My um, my middle school best friend's name was Dory, and I actually remember that I read this for the first time, definitely in middle school, because it was also I read it the year that Finding Nemo came out. I think is like what I'm realizing uh, right now because I had a lot of reasons <laughs> to make fun of my good friend Dory. Hey Siri, that one what year. year did Finding Nemo come out? Which one? What do you mean, two. which one? Finding Nemo and Children's Aquarium. Finding Nemo and Dory. Oh, which that's one? so funny. It brought up a children's aquarium show that involves Finding Nemo. The Miracle of Technology. Finding Nemo came out in 2003. Okay, Does so. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, but you would have I, read it around 2003 yeah, or 2004. Yeah, I was definitely in middle school then. So. so. Cr- cool, I'm glad it. we've solved yeah, this mystery for you. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, but other than that, I, I I frankly don't care for Thorin. I know he's supposed to be important, but at this point in the story, he's just mean and yeah, and, and, and he doesn't do a lot of things. I definitely like respect his like dedication to his position, like throughout the story. Like he really feels a responsibility for these doors, even if he like abuses them sometimes. But he does do a lot of like yelling and like just making other people feel like they're not doing enough. He could stand yeah. to be a little bit more of like an Aragorn type in the inspiration department. Yeah. <laughs> we could all stand to be a little bit more like Aragorn, Absolutely. You know? And mm-hmm. then the other Aragorn. thing is like I can I can't again like it's hard especially like the, like I don't really remember the Hobbit movies except for just like the blind rage, but I, I remember what the characters <laughs> look like and Thorin is <laughs> By far the hottest dwarf. So that oh, that's absolutely incorrect. What really? Yeah, I think it was. See, this is what is just so wild <laughs> to me about the concept for the the movies. Um, because like aside from maybe a couple like posters or like random 
movie clips. I really haven't seen anything of it besides yeah. the one Bilbo meme every day. Bilbo, the yeah. first, the first one was okay. The first one was okay. Oh my god, whatever. We'll come back to um, talk about those two. The hottest dwarf is is Keely, by the way. I knew you were gonna say that because he's a New Zealand actor. So when people talk about the dwarves being hot. That is just nonsense to me because I'm still, I'm also, like, the way they're described in the book is very different from how they are imagined on screen. Oh, yeah, Hollywood. Glam. And I'm, you know, just going off of what I know from how they designed Gimli for the movies. I would never, Brooke, I know you have different feelings about that, (laughs) but (laughs) I would never describe Gimli as hot. So I'm interested to, I'm to see what happens with these dwarves. Like, the way they designed Glowin in the movie, like, there's definitely a family resemblance, but, like, the two younger dwarves, like, all of the younger dwarves are kind of hot. Like, Thorin's pretty hot. I'm partial to uh, Bofor's character. Okay, oh my god, we will certainly come back on to discuss exactly which dwarf is the hottest one. We'll do a special episode. It won't even be a segment of the movie. It'll just be (laughs) which dwarf is the hottest. We'll rank them. But, like, making them all look so distinct, because, like, they're very homogenous in the book. It's like they all have, like, either a silver or gold belt and a long beard and different color Honestly, we'll get to, we'll, we'll discuss some of that in this chapter, too, about how, like, they do kind of all, like, I couldn't name i whenever i try and name all of them i get to about 10 or 11 yeah and like the movie makes it easier to tell them all apart yeah there's a point in this chapter where bilbo is running around and calling all of the dwarves names out and it is it sounds like a nonsense nursery rhyme Uh (laughs) you know what i mean because it's dory nori ori oin Gloin, Feely, Keely, Bomber, Beefer, Bofer, Dwellin, Balin, <laughs> and oh Thorin, Oak, and Shield. Just put that underneath it. Thank yeah, you for getting work. that stuck in my head, Mary Clay. It's been welcome. at least 20 years, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> is, that the, is that the Six Flags? Is that yes. That maybe. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, it was definitely a, it was a song. It's an actual song, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But then they Six just flags. made it. Yeah. That's what happens when you sign your so, rights. So, in this chapter, they are nowhere near a Six Flags. Um, <laughs> well, but imagine if they just stumbled onto Unfortunately <laughs> for them. Like, how wild would that be? Like, because this is around the, the time corner. they start to see, like, feasts happening in the woods. What if they just, like, saw, like, a roller coaster whiz by in the background? <laughs> That's nuts. Wait, that literally reminds me of hiking in certain places in Richmond. Like, you can hike in downtown Richmond like a six-mile loop, and then there's- what, And see the uh, Eiffel Tower no, at Kings Dominion? No, but then there's just like a like a, like a a highway, and you're like, oh, uh-huh. yeah, I'm not in the middle of the woods. Oh, the like, woods. I'm in oh, like, okay. a, I'm in like a quarter-mile strip of I don't woods. know why I was imagining that there's- <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking that there was a mountain peak high enough in Richmond <laughs> that you can see the Eiffel Tower and King's Dominion. <laughs> I mean, surely, I mean, I'm no hobbit. My eyesight is just not nearly that good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so as they have continued on their journey after Bomber wakes up, um, they notice that off to the left of the path in the midst of the forest, they see some lights and they're imagining Christina's putting her face in her book. Um, and they're so like, we don't even care what the lights mean. Because the last time, I should say, the last time they saw lights in a dist- in the distance, it was trolls. 
So they are like, we don't care if it means danger. It could also mean food. And someone's like, but we're not supposed to leave the path. We could die. And someone's like, we're not going to live. Like, we need to get food. Otherwise, we're not going to live long enough to keep walking down the path. So what does it matter? And then it says, so they all left the path and plunged into the forest together. You had that's when, like, one job. One job. That's what I... That's what I wrote down in my uh, in my notes. It's just you had one job. And that's actually where we're going to leave it for this week. Like I should have predicted when I got Christina, Brooke, Haley, and I all on the same call. Um, we talked for way longer than is one episode length. So this will be a two-parter. And we are just going to leave it on this very intense cliffhanger of, ooh, I wonder what happens when they leave the path. Eh, I'm sure it's fine. You can find all of us on the restricted section together. And I believe this week actually is the episode that Tyler of Bacon and Eggs slash WB&E will also be on as a guest. So that's very exciting. So many crossover events happening. So you can find all of us on the restricted section and I will leave links to all of their social medias in the episode description. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WB&E. You can learn more about the network by going to WB&E.org where you will find all of our shows like Sincerely Us. Dear listener, today's going to be a good day and here's why. Because today we have found your new favorite podcast. Do you like all things musical theater? Or do you just like Hamilton? Then Sincerely Us is perfect for you. We take deep dives into modern musicals and teach you all that you need to know. From props and sets to playwrights and composers, we will get you caught up on all things Broadway. We are Becca and Eni, two best friends. Here to teach you all about the shows that we love. Sincerely Us, a podcast for the casual musical theater fan. Join us every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts and on WBNE.org. The cover art is by Graphite, aka Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash pod or following the link in the episode description. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod, and you can also join the Facebook group, which is again linked in the episode description. You can find me on Twitter at mcwhatsup and Instagram at mcturndownforwhat. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod and explore the different tiers and perks. You can join the WB&E Discord for $3 a month. That's a good tier to join. Or you can become a sponsor like Zach. Zach, you are a new patron for That's What I'm Talking About. Thank you so much for joining the ranks and for supporting this dumb little Lord of the Rings show that I do. And I appreciate your support very much. Oh, um, I have to sign off this week. Shoot, I always forget that. Whenever I do these two-parters, I have to sign off by myself on the first part. And I all of a sudden understand the pressure that I put my guests under when I say, do you have any parting words for the audience? And they're like, uh, stay on the path. And then I go, and that's what I'm talking about. See what I did there? Mm-hmm.